This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and the dude, Jamie Rivers. Hey, Jamie, what's going on, Mano? Uh, not much, Donnie. I couldn't help but be listening this morning while you were joining our friends over at the Rizzuto Show. Sure. And I heard your weekend rage. Yeah, yeah, yep. Wow. Yep. Um... I couldn't quite make out who you were raging upon. Yeah. I tried to do process of elimination. Uh-huh. Uh, and there were a couple of bands that stood out, but I couldn't really figure out which one it was. Uh-huh. Uh, and I won't ask you on the air unless you're comfortable talking about it, but uh, I will ask you after yeah. uh, which band it was and what exactly happened for our podcast listeners. A couple of things. Because, boy, your, your brains almost blew out. Yeah, man, it was it was a real bummer. So, um... Uh, <sighs> I don't, I'm trying to set it up the best way possible to just know how kind of normal and run-of-the-mill, uh, like, kind of what we do backstage business-wise is. But when it comes to Point Fest, okay, every Point Fest, we get 11 subway size po- Point Fest posters between 11 and 15, and then we get an additional five blank guitars. We get all of the bands to sign them, and then throughout the course of the year, as you know, man, we raffle them off, we give them away... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're, they're, they're giveaways. Um, so every year, it is always a massive, massive pain in my balls to get one band to sign. There's always one. So it's not the same band, just a band. Correct. There's okay. just always one that's a pain in the ass. And this year, without a doubt, it was this one particular band. And, and Are they a popular band? Very. Yeah. yeah, Are yeah. They, would, someone, would someone call them a headliner? They could. Were they the headliner? You know. No, I just meant in general. Uh, of the show? They could have been. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, man, we had had a great day, dude. And I mean a great day. The The bands were in a good space. All of the tour managers and everything were so unbelievably great in helping us get done what we needed to get done. The signing of these guitars and posters, a video interview, Boom, you're out the door. That's it. I mean, 20 minutes tops. I mean, tops. Yeah. And first and foremost, the first question that I was asked was um, what the interview questions were going to be. And I find that for our radio station in 2023 to be a little insulting because we have a really good reputation for not doing any kind of got you, trying to get clicks. No Trojan horsing something in no. there. <laughs> and I understand that bands and, and the people that work for these bands are hired to watch after them and protect them. And I, dude, I get that. But we have interviewed that band like five times over the course of the last 10 years. And I have never once been asked for my questions beforehand. And I think that the only time that that should be, like, acceptable is if I'm talking to God dang Eddie Vedder or something like that. Or, yeah, but or, even then. So let's let's do this. I know you're wonderful at your interviews. Donnie, for all the interviews I've done with professional hockey players and celebrities and Hall of Famers and all that throughout my radio, my brief radio career, I still had a lot of people I've talked to. I have bullet points of a couple of things mm-hmm. that I might get to. After that, it's wherever the conversation takes me. Yep. That's, that's why preparing the questions is silliness, because that's like rehearsing. Yeah. And, and 
I don't like that. I like it to be organic. And if the person says something that intrigues me or that takes me down a different road with the questioning, like that's what it has to be. Okay. Now, I don't disagree with that, but here's how I go about my interviews pretty much almost all of the time is that I will have, like you say, some basic bullet points of things that I know I need to hit. Uh-huh. Okay. But I am not married to this at all. As a matter of fact, I sort of use it as a backup if the conversation is a well goes off. dry. You know what I mean? Yes. And because you are a hundred percent right that when you get everything together, it's it sounds rehearsed and it sounds like you're just asking the same questions. You want that conversation to go wherever it's gonna go. So I completely agree with you. Um but it is just very rare to have an artist ask what questions we're going to ask. And then also, the manner in which that this person was speaking to me was not professional, and it wasn't necessary. All right? So, um, this incident happened. We got it squared away. We got everything fine to where we were going to get a member of the band to come over and do the interview. Well, in between... There were these posters that needed to be signed, and we had these posters laid out on a table, and the table did happen to be in the sunlight. But if you remember, on Saturday, the high was 82 degrees. It was a beautiful day. It was gorgeous. So, anyway, we get this guy from the band to interview. He stays and signs all of the posters. Well, this person is pissed that he had to stand out in the sun and sign the posters. So, they come over to me and say... Pretty much direct quote, your inability to follow the simplest of directions has effed up my ability to do my job properly. Now, I need you to take those posters, roll them up, and bring them back to the dressing room, and I'll do my best to get them signed. I was completely dumbfounded. Like, I was just, what? And I mean, dude, this is like after all of these other bands. You know, man... They're pretty reckless. They are very, very particular about Taylor Momsen and about how she is spoken to. And you understand. Yeah, she's cool. And you know what? I've talked to her so many times. Jeff and I talked to her one time eons ago uh, downtown at the downtown Point Station. We mm-hmm. did an interview with her. Saw her here again. She's totally cool. But but what? But that's what I'm. But I mean, she was a movie star, and then she was a rock star, and like, and they were. Amazing. The Coheed and Cambria camp, I swear to God, if I would have asked, they would have come and played my house. I mean, it was just like all of this awesomeness and this one sour apple. And the thing that just bothers me so much, man, is that I go out of my way a couple things. One, to ask as little of those artists as humanly possible. All right? I'm not trying to get anything for free for myself or for my friends ever, ever, ever. And we try to make things so easy so it can just be bing, bang, boom. You are back to your dressing room smoking pot and eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah, it's not your first rodeo. Dude, not at all. I know. And, and, I, and, and it was just the way in which that, that, that I was spoken to, man, it, it, dude, it bugged me to death. And so then after this happens, all right, and so I'm already just bummed out, just bummed out. So I go to get something to eat, all right? And in catering, I run in to Randy from Live Nation. Randy is the gentleman that bought Jeff's bike, his favorite bike. Yeah. Yeah. And Randy was there picking up the bike the last time that I saw Jeff. 
So I was already like kind of in so my you're own on head. An emotional roller coaster. At and this then point. I see him. Oh God! And dude, and I, I got way too emotional because I don't know Randy super well. But it was just the moment, and it's it right. caught me. And nah, and I think it's fine. And Randy was. Amazing. Well, he probably to- felt the same way, to be honest. Dude, and totally got it. But it was just like this like span of like 30 minutes. My day went from, oh, my God, this is awesome, to why does it need to be this way? Oh, Donnie, and, to be and, your therapist. And so that's, so, <laughs> hey, man, I'm keeping some people in business, brother. Oh, yeah, you have a retirement plan. <laughs> Dude, absolutely, man. And what's crazy, too, is like, so my, ther- my, 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 my therapist and my shrink are awesome. And. Every once in a while, man, my shrink will like say something back to me that I said on the air, and and it and I don't know why it freaks me out because he's just a guy that lives in Soco just like me that yeah. just happens to do that job. I'm thankful that he's listening, but it's just always like it's just always kind of weird. It's man. kind of an interesting thing, right? Like the other day, I went, I stopped by CVS, and uh, I've got monthly prescriptions to keep this this big unit moving on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> You know, they're just anti-inflammatories and things like that. Otherwise, I can't get out of bed in Mm -hmm. the morning. I can, but it's ugly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I walk up just unannounced. This guy had no idea I was coming. And I show up to the counter at CVS, which they do a fantastic job there. Great people. And he, like, looks over and he's like, oh, my God. Like, he knows who I am. Yeah. We've talked and whatnot. He goes, I'm not real. I'm not trying to be weird, man. And then I hear the Fast Lane podcast going on in the background. <laughs> He's listening to the Friday episode of two weeks ago or when last week yeah. on Saturday because when I picked it up he's listening because he missed the episode and he's like this is kind of surreal <laughs> he's like uh, sorry about hearing your own voice in the background Be like, no man I was no. Like, are you kidding me that's how the bills get paid I'm like yeah, I'm flattered first of all I'm glad you enjoy the show and uh, you know by all means man be, please listen every day if you can dude I feel like every interaction that I have with somebody out in the public is just my nervous, awkward anxiety just coming out on full-on display because I am so, dude, I am so unbelievably grateful when people say something. And then also, too, man, and you've had this happen, when you're with your kids and somebody mentions it and then your kids are like, Oh, oh my kind of cool. Your kids probably don't care. No, they don't think it's cool. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I just want to get out of here. You know, with my, with the radio job, uh, on the air every day. Yeah. So people know about it then with the Bally's job being on tv multiple times a week so it's like a double dose right so if you don't hear me on the radio maybe you see me on tv maybe you don't maybe you hear me on the radio and so in our little area where we live or pretty much anywhere where i go somebody either recognizes the voice or the face mm-hmm. and people will just come up and say things you know and like grown men and even uh, adult women will say, oh, I listen to the show every day. My kid's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> like, oh, my God, you think you're cool or something? I'm like, no, these people are awesome. Yeah, this is what's keeping the bills getting paid, yeah, kiddo. I love it. I love it. God bless him, man. So uh, here's what we got. I've got a, a, a host of hockey-related questions. I've also got some emails from uh, Last Minute Blues podcast listeners. All right, so let's do this then. Okay. Um, how many emails do we have? Four. Let's get the emails out of the way. All I right. think that's important. Did I just say that? I think I just said no, that. No, you said you got some hockey questions, too. Yeah, but I wanted to get to these first as well. No, what but I said. Da- Donnie, I'd like to get to the emails first. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is, when, this is when Jamie and Jeff would do this sort of thing, and they would run my brain into the ground. 
and then I would say that I hated them and then cuss at them under my breath, but then I really <laughs> All right, so uh, this is from uh, Michael. He says, hey, uh, Donnie and Jamie, love the podcast, been a blues fan from Canada since 2000. I have a business of the hockey business kind of question. He says, with the addition of the digital enhanced dasher boards, how upset would you be if you were one of the businesses that paid the arena for a physical primetime ad placement on the boards only to now never have it seen on TV again. Do you think the NHL has or will receive pushback on this from the physical board sponsors? Thanks, and let's go Blues. That's a good-ass question. So it's a great question, and uh, I have an answer for this. Oh, really? Yeah, because um, the last one of the last road trips I went on with the Blues this year to Detroit, all of the Blues brass went on that trip because Little Caesars Arena is incredible. And so they wanted to get a good look at, you know, what things could be technology-wise and all this stuff. So Steve Chapman, who's a vice president of operations for the Blues, uh, was on the bus with me, and, and they had a bunch of people in their marketing and PR department, all that stuff. So I asked this very question. I'm like, what would be the motivation to spend money on prime location on the Dasher boards when the digital stuff runs all game? They said to me <clears throat> that each and every one of those companies gets looped in. Oh. To the digital. So you get your turn. Get your turn. And so not only do you get the in-house views for everybody who's in-house, but also you get looped. They have a digital loop, and there's like a certain amount of seconds that you have, and then it, it changes. And each company can create their own thing. It can be a stagnant thing, or a lot of them use motion now. Motion has to be quick. It's like a two-second, like, or something like... You see the car drive down the side of the boards, and then it's yeah. Enterprise or yeah. whatever it is, right? So they, they have factored that in, and uh, you can get more loops based on the money, amount of money that you pay, just like anything else, right? Wow, right on. So, yeah, so that's how they're doing it, at least for the time being. Yeah. Now, if they get so many advertisers that they can't loop them in or whatever, I don't know. But as, of it's, as it stands right now, all of those customers are being satisfied with both uh, methods of advertising. And I just, uh, I, I, my son and I were at that um, Wings Arena a few years ago. It Little is, Caesars, right? It is beautiful. It's crazy. And, and, and the way that it's set up in that part of downtown Detroit, I mean, you are a, I mean, literally a stone's throw from Tiger Stadium. At, well, they don't call it Tiger Stadium anymore. Comerica, Comerica Park. Park. Yeah. And then where the where the Lions play, Ford, Ford Field. Field. Like, yeah. it's, um, it's absolutely amazing. They've really built it up. And I know that Mr. Illich, when, um, when he was still alive, that was the one thing he wanted to do was he always wanted to build up downtown, rebuild downtown, because downtown Detroit used to be something back in the day. You know, the old cars driving around, yeah. people doing things, and then it kind of disappeared, just like a lot of downtowns do uh, across the nation. And so when he bought the Red Wings, you know, they were at Olympia Arena, and he had the Joe Lewis built. And Joe Lewis was a start of it. Then he had Tiger Stadium, because he owned the Tigers. Well, then he moved him over to Comerica Park, and... All, you could see there was something happening, and he, he's, uh, he bought a bunch of buildings, renovated them. Businesses are in those buildings, bars, restaurants, and now Little Caesars Arena is down there. Helping revitalize the area. It really has. Like, I walked around in Detroit, and I was like, oh, my, because I played there for yeah. three years. And downtown wasn't desolate, but it was pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing, the, the, the football field and the baseball stadium, and Joe Lewis at the time was all that was really going on. And Chelly's Chili Bar, by the way, Chris Chelios had a bar. And it was right in between this old church that nobody could get a hold of because the, the church people were like, no, we're, we don't have a church there anymore, but we're not selling. We're not putting a bar in oh. here. Like, we're not doing that. That's yeah. not what we're going to do. Well, somehow Chris Chelios um, 
figured out a way. He talked to the people, let them know. I think he guaranteed a portion of sales to go to donations to the church and whatnot. Like, he really did a great job. Yeah. He had it beautifully built, re- renovated, redone. And so in between Comerica Park and Ford Field was Chelly's Chili Bar in an old church. It was incredible. That's very cool. Yeah, it was and, cool. And God knows, man, the last thing that I want to do is patronize anything that has Chris Chelios's name on it. But that still sounds really cool. Donnie, you would love this man. Probably. He's one of the greatest teammates I've ever had. Okay, and that's fine. And that's great. And I don't necessarily... And don't one dis- of the biggest a-holes I've ever played against. Listen, man, he <laughs> played for the Hawks and the Wings in the heyday of me growing up hating the Wings and the Hawks. I know. I, I mean, I... I'm I, with you. I don't I don't discount that he's a nice man. He's just, not just nice. He's amazing. I just don't know that I could do it. Dr. James Maxwell and Crestwood Dental Group. Dr. Maxwell is my dentist. He is the dentist for my uh, fantastic family, and he's going to be the dentist uh, for the fam for as long as we live in St. Louis. You can find out more about Dr. Maxwell and Crestwood Dental Group by going to CrestwoodDental.com or giving him a ring at 314-820-0909. Now listen, Dr. Maxwell is going to take unbelievable care of you and your family. They, Dr. Maxwell is always learning. He is always doing everything he can to make your next visit to his office as simple as humanly possible because he knows people sometimes freak out when they're going to the dentist. I had to get a lot of work done when I started going to see Dr. Maxwell, and I had a huge fear of the dentist. Not anymore. And not only is my smile looking great, but that fear is gone because of Dr. Maxwell and his amazing staff. CrestwoodDental.com or give him a ring at 314-820-0909. That is Crestwood Dental Group, Dr. James Maxwell. Make sure you tell him that you heard it on the Last Minute Blues podcast. This guy has got a great question. His name is David. He says, uh, good afternoon, Donnie, Jamie, and Jeff. I'm a uniform guy. Love to see unis and, uh, and differences from team to team. So he's got a couple of questions here. First of all, why does the NHL go the opposite of seemingly other leagues and do the blue versus white? If if the blues are home, they're going to wear the dark jersey. The visitor is going to wear the home. Why don't they do it the other way? Which I've always thought would have been way better anyway. I always liked it when the Cardinals wear the home whites, and then when they're on the road, the baby blues, the grays, whatever the case may be. Then he also says, uh, kind of, Question 1B, as a player, did uniforms ever really matter? New set of threads came out, a league had a manufacturer change. Was there excitement in the room that maybe transferred to the ice? So a couple of those. Okay. Um, Yeah, I was always excited about the uniform. Um, You know, where I played junior hockey, people can Google it. The Sudbury Wolves, go to their logo. It's incredible. It's classic. It's unbelievable. Dark blue jerseys with the gray and the white. The wolf head is gray. It's got the blood red coming off the teeth. Like, it's really, like, if you're looking at a uniform for junior hockey or college, right, you'd be like, that is pretty sick. Mm -hmm. So I was very fortunate to wear that for four years. Um, When it came to St. Louis, it was the jersey right before the clown jerseys. So it had the little trim of red, the yellow. It was very classic, very nice-looking blues jersey. Obviously proud to wear that. And I was still proud to wear the other one in the 90s, but it was tough to wrap your brain around putting that thing on with the diagonal numbers and the red, and it was kind of like, yeah. It was weird. You're still in the NHL. You're damn proud of it, but you're like, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then when, when Jim Woodcock uh, changed the jersey to basically what it looks like now, the original version of it, we were so pumped. We were so excited to wear that bad boy. It was incredible. Um, so, yes, jer- jerseys do matter, not to all players, but some. Yeah. Now, as far as the home and away, away and home jersey, I don't understand where things change. Because when I came into the league, we wore white at home. And somewhere in the early 2000s, 
it went to dark at home. And I don't know why they did that. I don't. Yeah. I don't know why they don't use the all-star break as the cutoff to where, like, the first half of the season you wear your darks at home, nothing but your dark, and then at the all-star break you wear your whites after that. Dude, that's even a good idea. I like so that, too. So now that your home crowd, every time you see your team, you get to see both uniforms. Mm-hmm. That's always been my thing. In the American Hockey League, they do that. They go half and half to where your jersey, you know, the white jersey for the first half, your dark jersey for the second half. See, that's a good idea, too. So. And I had always thought that it, see, and I thought that I'd remember when I started watching hockey that it was that way, that it was white. It on. was. I, I forget when it changed or why it changed. Yeah. I have no idea. No, it's dumb. Uh, here is a quick question from Rick. Rick, uh, long and short of it, wants to know of the 2019 Stanley Cup winning team, any potential Hall of Famers on that team? Wow. Um, he suggests Jay Bomeister primarily because Jay Bo had won the round. Yep, yeah. exactly. It's going to be tough for Jay Bo to get in there. His just his stats overall don't put him in that elite category as far as his numbers are concerned. I mean, even like, and I, as a, I mean, huge, huge fanboy of Ryan O'Reilly, who was maybe the best player on that team. Yeah, no, he's not. He, I don't there. think he's a Hall of Famer. He's not getting there. And Tarasenko, no, nah, he's not. His numbers aren't there. Um, oh, wonderful players, but I think that's what honestly that's what made the 2019 team unique, is that they had a group of players that got it done they didn't have that one superstar you know so to me that's that's kind of what you know made them tick outside chance for alex petrangelo oh i didn't even think about outside chance still early in the in the career there he's still early potentially win another cup maybe two of them depending on his tenure in vegas numbers are pretty good um so we'll see. Yeah, you know. But to me, he would be the closest one of the bunch. That makes uh, that makes all the sense in the world. All right, what did I do with this last email here? Oh, here we go. Hey guys, got a couple questions for you. Uh, essentially, uh, Joe wants to know, and honestly, he wants to know for our homeboy Jeff Burton. What did you think of Clem Costin in Edmonton? I thought it was incredible. Yeah, I have no idea who that player was. Honestly, why did he not do that here? He had he, every opportunity. He'd still be here, right? Yeah, he would be a he would be a massive part of this retool. Yep. Donnie, I don't know what happened. Maybe maybe sometimes it takes a trade to click. Because he got traded and got sent to the miners. He didn't get handed the job. In fact, it took Evander Kane to get hurt to open up a roster spot for Clem Costin to get in there and prove what he could. And then what he did is he went out and he hit everything that moved. He fought anybody that looked at him cross eyed and he scored goals. What we were waiting for him to do here. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what happened. Maybe there was better communication. Um, I, I'm not sure. I thought the communication was pretty crystal clear here in St. Louis. Craig yeah. Ruby pretty much mapped out what he wanted from him. He did get opportunity. He did not seize the moment. And then he got to Edmonton, and he's a different guy. Yeah. So maybe the trade is exactly what needed to happen. Yeah, it shook him up or what have you. So Play, play great hockey. He, he He's a top six forward on a lot of teams in the NHL. He's absolutely a top nine on any team in the league. So is he, I, and I don't remember his contract status, will he be back in Edmonton next year? or is he going to be a restricted for, free agent with arbitration rights now. So, so then they'll work out a deal so that he stays in Edmonton. Yeah, he's gonna, he, he will absolutely resign there. With the opportunity that they gave him, he'd be foolish to try and bounce. Okay, now 
I got to ask some questions that because there are things in which that I do not understand that are happening in the NHL right now. And obviously, we're all looking forward to uh, the NHL draft coming up in a few weeks. Blues have three first round picks, all of those sorts of things. But I kind of feel like the world of the Blues right now is kind of what it is. I mean, there's not a lot really happening, but there is a lot going on in the NHL. I do not. And, and I'm sure that there's a valid reason, and maybe you think I'm crazy, but I am still not sure about Toronto and the GM change there. I'm not saying that Kyle Dubas was this. Obviously, he was having issues getting that team through, but I, I just he? don't know. Was he the issue, you think? I don't. Because I've never seen Kyle Dubas play a game in the NHL. No, you're you're right, but I'm just saying, like, it just doesn't seem to make sense to me that you – that you fire him and then you bring the Calgary cat over and was it did it have directly to do with Dubis's press conference where he said all of a sudden that he had to think about whether or not he wanted to come back and then Brendan Shanahan was like wait what you're not completely committed well then get the hell out of here i i don't know if that was 100% it but i do know Shanahan did say that the intention was to bring Kyle Dubis back they were already having contract discussions, emails back and forth. With the agent and stuff. And then he said the press conference like blew him away and opened his eyes and was like he just felt like this guy was like at the end of his rope. Basically and you look at Dubis's press conference, it looked like a defeated man. It looked like a guy who didn't have any energy left to do the yeah. job. So if that's not what Kyle Dubis was trying to do, then boy did he execute poorly. If it is what he was trying to do then you know it, it's fine. Maybe he'll find some, you know, new energy in Pittsburgh. Do, do, do you think like that he was he using that press conference to try to like squeeze a little bit more money out? Or I can't imagine year? that was the case. The Maple Leafs pay insane amounts. Insane. Of yeah, it's. It, it, I don't think it was a negotiation ploy. Okay. I don't think if it was, it was, boy, did he read the room wrong. So then, double question. So Brad uh, to to uh, to Willering. Nope. Tree Living. Tree Living is now moving over from Calgary to Toronto, and then Dubas is going from Toronto to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Do these new GMs help their situations more than their predecessors? Pittsburgh, you'd have to, because well, I think I could do a, a better disaster. job than Hextall. Yeah, Pittsburgh was a disaster. Kyle Dubas will help that team um, a little bit. You know, the salary cap is the salary cap, so it's not like a GM can come in and completely redo the team. So we'll see how he does there. And Brad Living, look, he did a great job in Calgary. That team was terrible. And then Brad Living got there. He drafted well. He developed well. Yeah, he got stuck in, in a bit of a tough situation with Goudreau and Kachuk, both players he anticipated keeping long-term. They decided they didn't want to do that. I think he made the best of the situation. I thought he crushed the trade with Florida. Well, it sure looks like it. I mean, he did. You know, now of course Matthew Kachuk's in the Stanley Cup final, but no matter what, that's a player that's a difference maker. You weren't going to replace that player, but what you did is you stocked the cupboards with some pretty good guys. Uh, so much so that Calgary even had more points overall than the Panthers did last year. So they were technically a better team Nuts. as far as league points are concerned. But it's a fresh set of eyeballs. A new way of doing things. Um, you know, Brad Living is a real good people person. He'll be down there getting to know the guys. He'll go on the road. He'll have you know beers with the guys, and like he'll get a good feel for what's going on in that locker room. And he'll fi- he'll find out and figure out quickly why they haven't been able to push past the first or second round in you know however many years it's been. 
I think I'm becoming a Maple Leafs fan. I don't, and I don't even mm. really know why. I love the jerseys. I used to love Matt Sundin and Doug Gilmore, but outside of that, I don't know. Okay. But I just, there's just something about it. Just. I think I've said it before. I mean, any of these Canadian teams, really, when it comes right down to it, if it's not against the Blues, I'm going to friggin' root for them. Uh, I did see an article the other day. They were talking about possible uh, buyout candidates, and they did mention uh, for the Blues, Marco Scandella. What do you think? I mean, he's obviously he's a buyout candidate. I don't know what the advantage is. I think he gained like $1.5 in cap space. So I don't know what the advantage is. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, a little bit. Uh, Army has never done it. He's never done it. And so you got to think, it's not going to be for Marco Scandella and like a million and some change, oh, right? I mean, if it's going to be anything, if, you, if you're ever going to swallow your pride for something, it's going to be a number that makes a difference on your salary cap, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now the flip side of that is he might trade Marco Scandella and retain 50% of the contract. If that's the case, then literally what you did is buy him out because it's the same dollar right. value. So I don't know. Maybe it's the, the two words buyout. That he doesn't like, and I don't, I don't fault Doug Armstrong for for having that belief because he's a competitive guy, and uh, he wants to do best by the team, and he doesn't want to ever feel like he's wasted the owner's money. Yeah, great. That's the guy I want working for me. If Hell I'm yeah. the, if I'm the owner, I want that guy. However, every now and then, even the greatest businessmen make mistakes. Even Steve Jobs <laughs> right. put. Programs and things together that failed miserably for right. Apple. Right. You know, even Mark Cuban has had massive failures. And you, you swallow your pride, you close that business, or you shut down that wing of your business, and you say, okay, no more bleeding. Right, right. So maybe this is a time for Army to say, okay, no more bleeding on a certain player. Is it Marcos Candela? I don't know if that's the difference maker. Uh, but he is qualified to do that, and we'll see. We'll see how it works out. So uh, there was a little talk at the beginning of this uh, Toronto GM search that Doug Armstrong was in that conversation. Do you think that there was ever a a reach out to Tom Stillman to see if they could get Doug Armstrong to speak? No, there wasn't. And from the very beginning, I never saw it being a fit. It just didn't make any sense. You don't think that that would be a fit? No. Why not? Uh, I would think he would go up there and kick freaking ass. Well, maybe, but uh, here's the thing, Donnie. Who's Army's boss right now? Uh, Well... Tom Stillman. Okay. Who would his boss be in Toronto? Now, I don't know who owns the Leafs. Uh, Never mind. It's Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. Okay. Okay. Brendan Shanahan would be his boss because Shanahan's the president of hockey operations. Uh Uh-huh. So Army would not have full power. There you go. That's all I needed to hear. He would not have full power to do whatever he wanted to do because Shanny would be like, yes or no mm-hmm. on everything. Well, then that makes job. sense. I didn't even think about that. So, it's, And it's not that Army can't work with others. He did that at the start of his career. But when you have the full power, except for the owner, you maneuver differently, more comfortably yeah. in that spot. And a couple things. One, uh, the Blues would have had to give him permission to talk to him. Army would have wanted to, would have had the, would have needed to tell the Blues he wanted to leave. And then Army, he's a very prideful individual. Do you think he'd want his legacy to be that he left the Blues in shambles? Nope. And not that they're in shambles. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's, that's a poor, worse use of words. In transition. He left them up against the salary cap, um, a team that didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. 
So it's not like he's leaving after a Stanley Cup championship right. where he's like, I've handed this team off. They're in good hands. This team is kind of in transition to we don't know what right now. I can't imagine Army would want that to be his legacy. Yeah. Army won us a cup, but boy, remember that team he left us with? Right, right. And it's not even that, maybe that's not even the case, but that's how a lot of the average fans would feel. So I, I never thought for one second it was a fit from a business standpoint. As far as Army going there and doing well, yeah, absolutely. He would have crushed it. He's good at his job. He'd probably be good no matter where he 100%. went. 100%. Uh, finally, uh, we have got a, and God, it seems like it's been freaking two goddamn weeks, but we uh, finally tomorrow night we've got the NHL finals yeah. starting. You've got Florida. You've got Vegas. Um, I, the way that I was talking to, to Marshy the other day, this series looks like it's got the potential to be pretty freaking awesome and to go six or seven games. What do you think? Well, this is a battle. Like, you look at NFL football, and it would be the offensive line versus the defensive line. You're watching that battle all night long. For me, it's the Florida forwards versus the Vegas defense because the Florida forwards do a great job of penetrating the middle of the ice, getting net front. Matthew Kachuk, Sam Bennett, all those guys get to the crease. They do all sorts of crazy things down there in front of the goalie. In the Vegas defense... They're the best team in league at limiting inner slot shots. So they don't give up time and space. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. Yeah. So that, to me, is going to be the most intriguing part of the series is which team ends up winning winning that battle for the middle of the ice in the offensive zone. Boy, and I mean, there are, like, so many great storylines here because not only Kachuk, not only, you know, Vegas still a new team, but they've got Aiden Hill, who, as their goaltender, uh-huh. you've got Brablowski for Florida, who is just absolutely on fire. I got to tell you, though, man, and, and I could obviously be very wrong, but one of the things that I have learned as a sports fan and since as a sports fan is that there are just sometimes you feel like a team is just rolling and I really just feel like Florida is rolling I don't love the week off between games yeah, for those guys could go either way but they both had long periods of time off so what do you think you think Florida you think Vegas what do you think I think so here my heart is with Florida yeah same um you know it's it's a little difficult for me because I have two guys going head-to-head that I do work with in the summer times. Now, Matthew Kachuk is, a, is an individual I've worked with for years. Alex Petrangelo is another guy I've worked with off and on for years as well. So it's kind of a win-win from a business standpoint <laughs> sure. for me. Um, you either, got a friend that's winning the cup. Either way, I'll be at a cup party at right. some point. <laughs> so I'm happy about that, yeah. Donnie. Um, my Why liver, wouldn't you be? My liver is limping right now. Um, <laughs> but either way. I think Florida, for me, my heart is with the Florida Panthers. My brain is with the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. I look at the depth of that lineup from their first line to the fourth line, their defensive core, how hard they are to play against, how hard they are to generate offense against. I just don't know how Florida matches up. But, again, my heart is with the Panthers. Yeah. I, I will be cheering for the Panthers. You know what's so crazy to me, though, is that I feel like if Florida would lose this series, man— I would not want to be in their way next year because then they're going to have even more of an idea of what it takes to oh, yeah. win. They're going to have that much more of a drive to to, to get there. So I I don't know, man. I'm just I, I'm really rooting for this Florida team. And like a couple of years ago, I was saying there shouldn't be any hockey teams in Florida. So like this is you know sometimes Sorry, I say stupid all, stuff. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I do, I do, but at least I admit it, man. All right, for uh, Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, I'm Donnie Fandango. Thank you very much for listening to the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Let's go, Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.